And I've just been in a conspiracy loop because someone keeps stealing my newspaper. <laughs> but, like, I figured out today that I'm not sure if anyone's stealing it or if the paper deliverer is just haphazardly tossing it anywhere in the vicinity of my door. Like, today I found it by my, my laundry place, and I was like, oh, so that's where you've been, chilling by my laundry place. And so I grabbed my paper, and then... Like, it didn't look like it had been opened and read, because I was like, someone stole it and read it and then left it here. But then, no, they didn't. I think that they're just throwing it all crazily. It was like, I mean, a good hundred feet from my door. So I was like, all right. These guys really are just completely insane with the throwing of the papers. Like, not even hitting my doorstep. So I just, I got to be alert. They still make newspapers? Oh, yeah. Welcome back to the Big Green Couch. In our last discussion, we really went over females and fueling, hormones, fueling for the female athlete, all of these topics, right? And today, we can't stop talking about it. We're still here. We want more. (laughs) So, Tree is back with us, Coach Tree. She's back. We'd love to have you here, Tree. Welcome. Thank you. Love to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course. And we've welcomed Trina back so that we can talk a little bit more about females as it relates to training. Okay, so we talked about the nutrition aspect, fueling, some different hormones. Um, We touched on this a little bit last time, but we kind of wanted to go deeper into the training aspect of it. And like we touched on last time, that... When it comes to training, when it comes to like your cycle and your hormones and I mean also with the way that you're fueling yourself, sometimes you have to plan out your training differently. And so I guess to dive in, Tree, um, I don't know, do we want to start with like different goals? I mean, where what do you think? I think that's a really good place to start. Um the question is like, are we talking about like the general population or we, do we want to focus on like more like athletes? Not that I know much about athletes, like as far as like women and training, but you know, the goals will, will, will definitely differ significantly depending on which population. Yeah. I mean, I think we should touch a little bit on both because I think out there in our listening audience, Uh, We've got people who maybe are just starting, maybe haven't really gotten into their exercise yet, or have a pretty regular routine, general general level of fitness. But I know that there's some warriors out there too that really train more so like like an athlete, even if you're not maybe competitive. And a lot of people are. I know a lot of people that are doing getting back into racing, whether it's triathlons, marathons, you know, biking. I mean, whatever. Um, So I think we've got a little bit of everybody out there, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I would also say that there are probably a lot of former athletes, too, as well. So you can't knock those people as well. True. True. That's very true, Jake. Very, very true. Yeah, I mean, if that's the case, then we definitely would like to start with goals as far as, like, where a woman is, right? And then also, like, 
I mean, it gets so complicated because then you also have to think about like age because that makes it a huge difference as well. You know, um, a woman or a young woman who's like in sports when they're younger in comparison to someone who's maybe in their mid twenties or, you know, starting in their thirties. And now they're, they're like, you know what, I need to get healthy. You know, how, what's the first thing that I, that I do. And I think that there's a lot of misconception around performance and then weight loss. So like, and it seems as if it's always weight loss. I don't want to say it's always, but a lot of times it might be weight loss or if it's not weight loss, it's body composition. And which one comes first is to me always the biggest question. Um, because I feel like if you perform well, then everything else will kind of trickle trickle down, understanding what performance is. But then when you think about performance, you also have to think about nutrition, right? Like performance, you can't perform unless you're, you're fueled properly. And then when you think about being fueled properly, that's where, to me, there's like a huge difference when it, between men and women, right? Like just naturally men outperform women, right? You know, even like the most, you know, um, if you if you compare like the top Olympic athletes, a man and a woman, the man is just going to outperform the woman. And then you have to ask yourself why, right? Is it based on like, you know, physiological um, differences between men and women? Or is it based on, you know, just how men train differently than women, right? Like a lot of men in the gym usually focus on bench presses and a lot of women focus on squats. And so how do these different factors affect A, performance, and then B, your goals? Yeah, you're so right, Tree. And it's interesting that, you know, the point you bring up, Yes, I totally agree. Men generally will outperform women. I mean, that's just scientific fact, you know, like that's just how it is. But that's not to say like there are women who will outperform men. But when you go like, like you said, like a similar, these top athletes, we're not talking about like a female Olympic athlete versus your neighbor, Joe, you know, like we're, you know, we're talking similarly trained individuals Uh, and I mean it makes sense right like men are bigger they have generally more muscle mass generally stronger the hormones are different Um, but like you said yeah a lot of times you do see the training being different and it I don't know it's an interesting it's an interesting thought because we were just saying how the training should perhaps be different because women are not just small men, but it also shouldn't be that men do strength training or lift heavy and women just, I don't know, do cardio or whatever. Right. Like that's, I don't think that's not really what we're saying. Right. And I think that's a key point right there. Right. It is, is that why I know like some, some women feel like, okay, I'll get bulky and okay. So let's push that aside. Pretend like we're not talking about them right now, but why do men, like go towards this type of training versus women going towards like more conditioning or, and I mean, I guess that's a stereotype, right? Because both you and I aren't those women, but why is it that the training isn't the same? And is it because of capability? Mm -hmm. So like, even for myself, like when I'm in the gym, I know that I can't do as many push-ups, I can't do as many pull-ups. Like I just literally can't. 
And so do I then say, hey, I'm just going to go and do squats because I know that I'm just never going to perform at that extent? Or do I say, hey, let me break this down and see, do I need to focus on like, you know, different types of exercises and movement patterns to strengthen myself to be able to achieve these things? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it's another point we bring up too, where you're talking about the goals, right? You've got a weight loss goal or a composition goal. You've got maybe strength or more performance goals. And they really do kind of alter what you're doing or what you should be doing. But I will say too, like for me, maybe I have multiple goals, right? Like I would love for my body composition. I want to be lean, uh, but I also want to be really strong. And sometimes it's hard to to have that balance where maybe I as far as my fueling, I want to fuel my workouts enough, but I don't want to overfuel to pack on weight, right? And so it's like, generally, I feel like I might be stronger at a little bit bigger, heavier, more body fat weight, but I also want to be lean. And then I feel like sometimes that goal undercuts my goal of wanting to be strong, right? It's hard. I feel like it can be hard to find a balance for people where you're fueling enough to be strong, to build strength, to build muscle and to perform, but you also are trying to be, I don't want to say strict, but, you know, enough to be lean and maybe lose body fat as well. Like, I feel like that's a challenge that people have. Yeah. How how much do you guys think? So, Going back, how train how you know men and women training differently. How much do you think societal uh, views or issues play play into that? Because a, a man's a man's strength training, you know, that's kind of what you're supposed to do from the outlook, right? I mean, and and women are not supposed to be bulky, and but that's changing, right? So even with just CrossFit coming along, the CrossFit look is a little more bulkier, and so it's more accepted for for uh, women and girls to be built, you know, with with more muscle with more muscle on their body. Um, so I think a lot of that training is, is simply, especially with our population who might be, you know, thirties, forties, fifties, they still have some old views where they think, Hey, I don't want to, I don't want to bulk up, you know? And, uh, you know, sometimes I tell them, well, let's, let's give it a try. Cause it's going to take a while for you to bulk up anyway. Um, uh, but so, you know, it's, it's, it's some issues on the outside too, uh, and the mental aspect of training, I think, and the societal aspect that comes into play as well. Oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. Yeah, I, I would say I like Tree's point about thinking about the goal first. And, Rusty, to your point, how goals and views in society are currently changing, which is for the better, because when it actually comes down to the training and what you're working towards, or if you're a male or female, there's so many different aspects that go into it. You, and it could be body uh body breakdown even like levers and every person's different from the person standing next to you or sitting next to you to uh, the different gender as well so and, and that's not even touching on the nutritional aspect of the training so i really think that uh when you're starting out definitely getting a clear and concise goal where you want to go without letting society kind of skew your view is a really good starting point. And also just a side note, I realized I was using air quotes 
uh, doesn't quite uh, transfer in this medium. <laughs> I saw those. I like those. Can you do that more? <laughs> just just let us know virtually that you're you're doing some air quotes at the moment. Yeah, I gotta say, I gotta say, quote. Yeah, <laughs> little bunny ears going on. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, yeah, and it, this and so this kind of goes back to what you're saying, Brooke, um, and kind of uh, piggybacks on what you're saying, Rusty. Right, like what has happened over the years or what's more recently happening is that there's so many different modalities now that women can adhere to, right? So like, I think, let's say like in the late 80s and the early 90s, it was all aerobics and women had a very specific body type and that was looked at as being healthy, you know, like being under, you know, 22% body fat and, you know, um, just having a very slender look. And so if you didn't fit into that mold, then you kind of just drifted to the side and maybe didn't have goals. You're like, you know, I can't do that. I can't look like her. So I'm not going to even try. But now that you have all these different um, sports to, to tap into, that's where your body type really goes into. So like, even for someone like me, like when I was at my slimmest, you know, I was doing all these like crazy things, but it was just really hard for me to, to keep up. And I was like, well, you know what? I don't think I'm, I'm working in, within the right modality for my body type. And although I think every program should have um, strength training in it, it's like, well, what type of strength training should you do for your body type? How many how many reps should you do? You know, how how many like um, what should your load be for you? And then also a lot of times what happens is when we compare men and women, even though there are some men who might have like some of the same issues as far as um, building muscle and hypertrophy and things like that. It's like, you see him and you're like, wow, like he got there so quickly. And then you have to think about, well, how should my cycle look? Like, how should my programming look? Should my program be six weeks? Maybe my program should be 12, right? Because I don't, um, I don't synthesize muscle the same way that a man does. I don't have as much of um, testosterone. And so like these, all these factors really do play into your, your, um, your body type and, and which direction you decide to go in as far as are these goals realistic? So, yeah. Yeah, no, I think you're definitely right, Tree. And I guess step one, two is looking at what you want your goal to be, whether you want some sort of general fitness, some sort of just being generally healthier, feeling better versus a more competitive athletic goal. Maybe you want to build strength. And maybe, like I said, like I mentioned for, you know, a lot of people, those you have multiple goals, right? Like those goals are interconnected. And I think too, it's just starting one step at a time with, which we've talked about a lot, right? It's like just you have to have a beginning point and be able to build off of that to further your goals, right? Like we may have all these goals in mind, especially if you're starting from nothing, but it's like, we can't tackle that all at one time, you know, and just having a place and working with a coach to have a place to start, uh, you know, maybe you build that general fitness first, you create a routine, you get started, and then slowly you're able to be like, okay, now I want to see more of these body composition goals. And now I really want to see myself stronger. Like I want to, I want to get strong, you know, and maybe be more athletic or maybe be able to compete. Mm -hmm. And so I think like accepting that there are going to be steps and phases and we can't tackle everything at once is something that 
kind of have to come to terms to mentally as well. Yeah, I, I really love that point, Brooke. And I was going to say, it, obviously meeting with a coach, if you're starting out or getting back into a routine, is a major key to success because now you're getting an outside per, uh, perspective from a professional, which will only make you getting your to your goal, progress, results, whatever it is, a lot easier. And then another thing to note, and you definitely touched on this, Brooke, is the fact that if we're just getting back into it or we're starting out for the first time, it's going to take some time to kind of have that cognitive mind-muscle connection. And it, it like everyone learns differently. So again, it goes back to the point that everyone's different. It's just going to take some time in the beginning to start to learn these movements and perform them properly because, again, what we're looking at is overall health and keeping people healthy. So that's another important uh, factor. And I think that a lot of times people feel pressure to go all out first thing, like they're getting back into it, they want to see results, and then they end up with injuries or uh, like now they have poor movement patterns that are kind of their staple for when they work out. So it's important to take a step back and just remember that there there are going to be phases, like you said, and it's, it's going to take some time. But with the time, you only are going to see more and more results. And it's going to be more towards the whole mental and physical goal attribute of it. Preach, Jake. Preach. Um, yeah, I think you hit it on the. I mean, you guys both hit it on the head, uh, especially when it comes to getting an outside coach or outside support, because you can be in your head and make a whole bunch of wrong decisions. And I think that's everyone, general population. I mean, you look at athletes, right? They would be nowhere without their coaches. They can't do it alone. Not only do they have their coaches, but they also have a team that supports what most. Um, sports, you know, have a team that, you know, builds that type of camaraderie. And it, it is really important to have a coach and to take your time when you are going through these phases or these stages of, you know, health, wellness, you know, it all, it all plays, um, it all plays a role in the bigger picture. Yeah. And I wanted to kind of go back tree to what you said about body types. I think that's an important thing to touch on too, especially uh, with females is there are some things to consider as far as if you're looking at yourself compared to a male, like the female body just generally, it, it's usually different, right? And so like you think about like females generally store weight in the legs and the hips and the butt area, right? And so it's like our lower bodies tend to be stronger as compared to our upper bodies, uh, you look at different, you know, even when it comes to lower body movements, the cue angle, right? We've got a lot more injuries in the knees. Like the knees are not necessarily as stable typically. And then you even look at things like the body types as far as mesomorph. Are you somebody who easily puts on mon- muscle? Are you somebody who's naturally slender? Are you somebody who is naturally puts on a little bit more weight, right? Uh, can you kind of dive into those different things and like how how that would affect maybe our training? Uh, yeah. So uh, 
I think the key here is expectations when it comes to body frame or, or body type. And first and foremost, I think everything is possible, right? If you are a mesomorph, you will definitely, you can definitely gain weight, <laughs> you know, like it, it can happen. It's, it's just that you might be more prone to building muscle or you, if you're an ectomorph where, you know, you're naturally just very slender, it's very hard for you to put on weight, Um so the, the, depending on what your frame is, it's definitely going to change how what those outlooks are and, you know, how you perform. And I think that it's also key to understand, like, well, how it's, it's hard to take that away from, in my, like, personal opinion, from nutrition, right? Because so much of it has to do with how your body metabolizes um, different types of um, energy, whether it be the carbohydrates or the fats or the protein, and so, for instance, if you are a mesomorph and you are, it's easier for you to gain muscle, right? Like how, what is that pathway? How does that pathway look versus somebody who um, is an endomorph and it's not as easy for them to gain muscle? So, for instance, if you're somebody who's easily able to gain muscle, then your program might look very different as far as how many sets and how many reps you do in comparison to somebody who doesn't. And then you have to tie that in with, again, how are you fueling yourself for this type of performance? Um, and it, it gets it gets really complicated, right? Because you, you can't fit people into like three categories because there's so many different type of people, period. And then also you have to take in, in into consideration their lifestyle. So I think where a good place to start is, is, is that trial and error, right? And it's different... There's different ways you can look at it, right? So like, for instance, you can start off with your weight, not using your weight as in, oh, I need to lose weight or I need to gain weight. But at my weight, how much how how much can I perform? And then also based on like my performance goals, which way do I need to to go? Right. Do I need to increase my load because I see that I can because I see that I'm getting stronger. So let me just keep going in this way. Or you can look at your weight and say, hey, I'm gaining weight. I'm not really seeing um, increases in performance. Maybe I should change my program, decrease my load, you know, maybe um, eat more protein. I mean, these are all different factors that come into it. But at any frame that you're at, you have to do the trial and error. You have to test yourself and see if, A, you can perform within uh, within a natural um program that you would do and or you need to figure out if you have to scale back based on it if that makes sense yeah no I think that definitely makes sense and it really is like you said like it's so difficult to kind of come up with even tips to give people because it all starts with analyzing yourself, right? Is Which is what we, I mean, I don't want to sound like a broken record here, but which is why we always say to work with a coach because it's like, one, determine what type of body type you have. Determine where you're at, how you feel. Like you said, trial and error. Like I've been trying this type of training and how does it make me feel? And I kind of want to segue into the athletic population this is very, very evident with people who train for races and things like this. And, you know, looking at, okay, 
maybe you trained this type of way, you did a certain type of training program, a certain type of periodization for a certain race. And how did you perform at that race? You know what I mean? Like, how did, how did that go for you? And then looking at how can you tweak that? And I think that one thing that really fascinated me that we talked a little bit about last time is how your hormones play into that. You've gotten certain people who maybe take birth control or manipulate their period because they don't want to perform during a certain time of their cycle. And those hormones actually play into how your body is performing, right? Like we mentioned, females can be more sensitive to temperature changes and things like that that can decrease your performance. Um, Rebecca mentioned that actually we're physically performing best when you're actually on your period, which I found so fascinating. I know that's in the book that we talked about. Um, And so I think that like, there's so many factors that trying to play with both your training as well as thinking about how does my, how do my hormones and how does my cycle affect me? Like, you know, if you get PMS, you know, if you feel bloated at time, you know what I mean? And like, how does that stuff affect your training too? Don't you think? Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, especially when it comes to like woman physiology, because what does it, like, how does it look to be primed for performance as far as your hormones go, you know, and being either you could be in a anaerobic um, state or you could be in a catabolic state. And so for women, um, we kind of switch off a lot between, um, the catabolic and the um, anabolic um, state. So to know where you're at in that, and for most women, like, so like there's like two different phases of the menstrual cycle, the follicular phase, which seems to be more um, anabolic than the uh, luteal phase, which oftentimes is more catabolic. And so during that, like, when you think about like um, uh, being in a catabolic state, you're thinking about like the breakdown of muscle and tissue. And so in that state, how should one perform? And so there was a lot of uh, back and forth with women athletes as far as, oh, you know what? I'm not feeling good because during the follicular phase, that's when you have your menstrual cycle in the beginning of the follicular phase. And so a lot of um, women athletes didn't want to perform at this time because they weren't feeling good. But it, it, even though they weren't feeling good in this phase, they had more. They had more anabolic hormones that were um, taking over their physiology. So it's just understanding like where you are in that menstrual cycle and and what is the body what does the body need and what does the body want during that time of the cycle. And just to piggyback on the cycles, so, and just something to be aware of, actually, that the injury rate uh, increases during the late follicular phase for musculoskeletal and tendon, tendinous injuries, uh, mainly based on, I think, estrogens. There's several different theories, but estrogens affect on uh, the collagen uh, fibers and things like that. So just something to be aware of during training. Um, I mean, I don't know if it, if you adapt your training to that, but just something to keep in the back of the head, I guess. And I think that the other thing that um, Rebecca brought up brought up is that new, that the research on everything is so not necessarily new, but there's not enough either. So I feel like the more research that's done 
um, is going to be for the better. There's all these, a lot of these um, studies that we're looking at for resistance training and training in general are done on men, as she said in the last podcast. So um, I think we're going to have a better understanding as time goes on and we can do, do more studies. That's a great point, Evan, um, because there's a lot we, we, we really don't know, you know, it's, and especially when it comes to women, it, it really does, A, you need a coach, right, to help you um, understand um, what direction you should go in as far as your goals, and then B, it's um, a learning process of yourself and, and knowing, okay, can I perform today? Can I not perform today? Is this going to work for me? Is this not working for me? And through both of those two, um, those two factors is going to help you go into the right direction. But there's, there's so much that we don't know because there's not a lot of studies on women. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, going back to the, the research though, I remember her talking about how, um, RPE is actually decreased. Didn't she say that, um, during your period when you, and she said that, training would be the rating of perceived exertion for people that don't know what RPE is. Um, that's actually decreased. So, you know, you're going to feel less exertion, but the, my biggest question is during that time, it's usually more like a, you feel kind of miserable, right? It's, it's, isn't that very tough on your, on, on your mental state to train during a time where you feel uncomfortable. So I'm very interested to see how that those two, you know, correlate, you know, how can you push through that, that state of feeling how you feel and then also have the rating of perceived exertion be lower? Yeah, so true, Evan. And it's, it, isn't it, because it, it kind of sounds like opposite points, right? It's so interesting because you generally are a little more uncomfortable. But I think too, it will be interesting to see more research on this. And especially when you talk about something that's perceived, because people also experience their period differently too. Like you've got some people who really have a lot of symptoms and then other people who really don't feel like they have any either, you know? And so I, I always find that interesting too, is like, it really is, or I would imagine it's got to be difficult to study because everyone's perception of pain or discomfort is slightly different, you know? And you really can't experience that for anyone else either. And so that is one part of the research that I think is so interesting because it's like you said, the the RPE was perceived to be lower. And yet you would assume a lot of people would claim or perceive that they were in more discomfort or, you know, not feeling like they even want to exercise, just maybe a little blah. So, yeah, I think that's that's something really to look out for. Yeah, that's a really good point um, as far as um, RPE. But I think that, especially if you're talking about the athlete population, I think that the, the woman athlete population is going to try everything in their power to, you know, figure out a way to deal with that, right? And so um, whether that be like some type of like like pain relief or something, so like the mindset already is like, all right, I, I have to get through this. But I think that where there is like a little bit of a misconception is that they think that they can't. Like they think that they physically cannot because they're on their menstrual cycle in comparison to like, I don't feel like it. So like to I don't feel like it is not to me personally, like the athlete mindset. Like they literally think that they won't perform their best. 
So it's, it's just also preparing for that. Like, how do you prepare for that? Do you prepare for that through, if you're, if you're training at a certain level, right? Like more than likely you will be able to perform at your best, but then what other things do you need in order for you to not feel like that when it comes to your RPE or being on your menstrual cycle? You know, is it the foods that I eat? Do I eat certain foods before my menstrual cycle to make sure I don't have these symptoms? Do I train a certain way? So RPE is kind of tricky because I just think that overall, you know, like when you want to get something done, um, I don't think the RPE is going to really affect that. That's that's tough because I think that there are a lot of training programs out there for athletes that um, go based off of whether they're going to progress or not via uh, RPE. Um, so they'll go based off of RPE, whether or not they should take a little step back on that day or they should push a little bit more forward. Um, you know, same thing with RIR, so reps and reserve, it works in the same way. Um, you know, are you feeling physically drained? Are you feeling this way? Are you mentally able to to go through an entire session going full blast. And if not, if your rating of perceived exertion is going to be uh, at a higher rate, then usually you back off the volume a little bit where you kind of climbed on the train just a little bit. So it's, I think, I think it's just going to take some time to see what the research shows and, and how, like you said, Tree, how can we help the female athlete perform the way that we know that they can perform during that time um, and then how that can affect how we write our programs too. Cause I think it's, it's for me, like just looking at how programs are written in the past, you know, during, if your body is feeling that way, usually you take a little bit, this foot off the pedal a little bit, but I mean, at this, at, at, with this question involved, it's going to be kind of a tough answer. I'm like, well, no, like you're, tra- you're going to train better at during this time. So I need to push you f- forward or, I mean, is that just going to, is that going to actually just push them away more? So I think it's going to be an interesting, I hope studies come out more and more about this. I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah, you're, yeah, that was good. Like, <laughs> you know, like, you know, it's definitely some, some food for thought, you know, but I think that when it comes to a program, you, there's always that buffer and that space to push forward and move back. You're always going to toggle a little bit with every client that you that you work with, but it's like where is the lack of confidence to say that you can't? Right? Like, is it coming from the fact that you? And I'm specifically talking about women and the menstrual cycle, but does it come from that? Like, oh, like, oh, my, my, my cycle's coming. I'm, I'm not, I'm not in the mood, you know? And then to even piggyback off of that as you, as a male coach, like, how would you approach that? You know, like, like, would you be like, oh, the data says that, you know, you're best during your, the first part of your cycle, or are you like, how would you even navigate that, mm-hmm. that space to make your, your clients comfortable? That is a huge point tree. Thank you. That, that, that's, I think it's as a coach, you want to do what's best for the, for the client or for the athlete. And you, you want um, to have all the research to back this up. Clearly we don't have enough research. And also I think, um, you know, men training women and having this research, I think that there also has to be this kind of like 
additional understanding for men because obviously we we don't know what that's like we don't know what it, what it feels like we don't know how your mental state is going to be during that time so I think you know understanding the social side of that is going to be huge as well mm-hmm. so great and you talk about too I just really like the points that you guys have been saying about pushing through versus pulling back. So we always talk about like, you, you know, you need recovery, right? Like you need rest, you need recovery in order to build, in order to get better. And then there's also, you know, what, at what times that, you know, do you need to push through, push through the, you know, something that's hard to get better. And it really, I think also has to do with just people's different personalities, right? Like, I don't know, as you guys were talking about this, I'm just thinking about people that I know that are like, no, 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 I just need a day off, like, I, and they'll take five days off, you know, and they're just like, I just am not feeling it. And I think about myself, and how I'm kind of an intense person, I'll pretty much always push through, no matter how bad I'm feeling. But I have seen myself like, start crying during workouts, because I'm so annoyed. And I that I am like, you know, I, this, why is this so hard? And I feel like I have to push through. I start crying during a workout. We've talked about it before. (laughs) And then it's like, why didn't you just rest? Like, what is the point of this? Now you're just crying and like, you know, and so I just think about like the extreme, this, that's probably an extreme (laughs) example, but you think about the extremes and like just people's personalities and how they perceive pain too, is like, you've got people who are going to want to push no matter what, And that's maybe more that competitive, that athletic type of mindset. And then you've got people who give themselves a little more grace and, you know, realize when they need the rest and allow themselves to take that rest. And I think that all of that stuff plays into that too, which is kind of hard to gauge. You really have to know the person and you have to know yourself too, to be like, I I can see myself sort of doing what I'm doing and like, do I need to reassess you know, my urge to push it or my urge to take a break or, and you know, like what is actually would be best for me. Right. Yeah. I think that, Oh, sorry, Jake, go ahead. No, no, you go. No, no, you go. I've talked for a while. No, no, I haven't. You gotta go now. I can cut this however I want. I can just make you go. (laughs) Oh my God. Leave this part in. (laughs) (laughs) This is now part of the podcast. Uh, I think that's also a good point, Brooke. Uh, to not overdo it and how important that is. And I think that me as a coach and dealing with multiple female clients in the past, it comes back to getting to know your clients and having that rapport with them where it's open. <laughs> and you, <laughs> Brooke loves when I say rapport. Love it. <laughs> uh, it's an open connection and you guys are both working together to get them to their goal. And to not overdo it, and even if they're not in the state uh, to push, you can still do other physical activity in that moment and in that time to help keep uh, moving them forward with their progress, either if it's just a mobility day or I've done this in the past where I've spent a whole week before with a client just SMR every single day, just working out knots on their body because they're so stressed and there's there's so much anxiety going on with them right now that we just take that time to really reset the body and then we get back out after it next week. And I found great success with that. And it's something that I still implement into this day. 
Yeah, that's a great point. I'm glad you went first. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> uh, I wanted to piggyback off, I mean, I guess off both of your, your points, but mostly, like, Brooks said something about personalities, like two personalities, maybe one pulls back, one pushes forward. I think if you look at the end result, though, if you have someone that pushes forward too much and they overtrain and they think, all I want is to go farther, I want to go more, 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 and that's all they do is they're going to get stuck at a certain point or they're going to be overtrained. I remember having a client that she just wanted volume after volume after volume. Like, I can't keep programming for this. Your your numbers aren't changing because you're just overtrained. You can't recover. You can't do this. And she's like, no, I need to do this. You know, if you have that kind of mindset, you're stuck as much as the person that's pulling back. You know, if the person that's pulling back, maybe they're they're not putting it like they're all into it, but they're putting just enough compared to the person who's expending way too much and kind of damaging their body and they can't recover. You're both going to be at a similar position, maybe one more damaged than the other. But I think it's a very interesting um, point that there are two personalities and you kind of need to find the center, you know? And I, I think that if you can find that middle position where you, you push where you need to push, you pull back when you need to pull back then you're going to be in a great position rather than being the person that pushes all the time versus the person that push pulls back too frequently. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a great point, Evan. And again, just having that outside perspective of having a coach or even just a friend, someone that you can talk to, does wonders for working out and pushing yourself forward or pulling back. Because when people from the outside look in at you, they, they have a better view of you than you do in certain moments. I think this has been a really great talk. I mean, here's the thing. I feel like Tree, Rusty, Evan, Jake, you guys all gave us such great tips and pointers. But I think the thing that intrigued me most about today's conversation is how much more research needs to be done. And just, I don't know, like how much thought process has to go into all of this. Like, it's just interesting to talk about and to analyze in yourself. And so I think, like, it's just a great conversation to have because although it's not cookie cutter and it's like, you know, do exactly this, do exactly that. That's kind of the point, right? Is like, it's not about just like, here are the exact steps to do anything. It's like, just allowing yourself to think about the different aspects and be able to analyze yourself to get somewhere new so I, th- I just I don't know I really enjoyed this I really enjoyed talking about these different new and exciting topics yeah it's a really good point because a lot of times people think that they need to be perfect or follow that direct path for success and it's not that and we don't even have the research right now to find that exact route so just take it day by day and make sure that you're still putting in effort and making time for yourself. And that's all we can really ask from you guys. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Tree, for joining us and for bringing this topic in. Um, It was so fun to talk to you again. Always is. Well, thank you, everyone. Have a... (laughs) (laughs) Every time. Uh, Evan, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry, I was going to try and wrap it up. Now I forgot. Moment's gone, just end it. This happens every time. (laughs)
We should really keep that part in because then people know the struggle of a podcast. Especially a virtual podcast. <laughs> yes. We'll be together again soon. Thanks, everyone. Bye, guys. Yes. Yeah.